Welcome, everyone, to the Gridiron Review Podcast. I'm Zach, that's Jack, and we are back for episode four of our offseason in review series. Today, we close out the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that went on a Cinderella run last year in the playoffs, beating the Chiefs and almost beating the Rams for a Super Bowl, where they were arguably one more second of time for Burrow away from a fourth quarter completion to Chase as he burned Ramsey another fourth quarter comeback and a Super Bowl trophy. Unfortunately, he didn't have that time and their Cinderella run ended in sadness. They made a lot of moves this all season to address their weaknesses, but was it enough to make another run? We're gonna discuss that now. Offensively, their key losses were Auden Tate, CJ Uzoma, Fred Johnson, Riley Reef, Trey Hopkins, and Quentin Spann. Tate was a nice number four, you're obviously going to miss the veteran leadership from Uzoma, who really, really stepped up when it came playoff time. However, when you look at the guys that you lost on the offensive line, Joe Burrow is probably thanking God right now because those guys got him killed. And I don't think that they're terrible guys to bring back if you need depth pieces, but if you want them to start, no way. In terms of who they retained, Brandon Allen, who, I mean, probably middle of the line backup quarterback and two of their backup receivers, Stanley Morgan and Mike Thomas. Their key free agent pickups were Nick Eubanks, tight end from Detroit, Hayden Hurst, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and Lyle Collins. When you look at this team that made, as Zach said, their Cinderella run last year, their big issue was offensive line, and they addressed it heavily with the signing of Karras as the new center, Cap as a new guard, Collins as a new tackle, and they drafted Cordo Volson out of North Dakota State in the fourth. That's a really nice depth piece. My issue with this team right now is that their line has a really strong starting group, but are the backups going to be able to step up in place of injury? And I think that can be said for a lot of the positions. And like I said, Allen is an okay backup quarterback, but if Burrow goes down again, can he get it done? If any one of these starting receivers go down, can Stanley Morgan and Mike Thomas and whoever else they have behind them step up and take the next step that this team needs in order to make another run? At tight end, like we said, Uzelma really stepped up. Hayden Hurst has the potential to be a tight end one, but has not been able to show it due to injury and due to various other causes throughout his career. You just look at it and on paper, these starters are dangerous, but one injury could, could wreck this offense. Yeah, and that's a good point when you talk about Brandon Allen. He's a okay backup, but when you look at how much of their run relied on Burrow, and I know you're not a Burrow fan, but he did pull some crap out of thin air in the playoffs to allow them to win some of these games, and it's kind of crazy to think that they overcame the offensive line time and time again, and it ended up being the offensive line as to why they ended up losing. And you see teams like, we just covered them, but Baltimore having such a good scheme fit backup and... Other teams like Tampa, obviously Brady is Brady, but they have Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert as backups. Should he go down, you have to imagine Trask could give you something or Gabbert has been in the league long enough that he's serviceable. And you just wonder if Brandon Allen is that guy. If Burrow were to miss, and we're speculating here, but if Burrow were to miss like, let's say four weeks in the middle of the year, would Allen be the guy that can keep them afloat and at least have them go two and two in that span? I don't know. Their supporting weapons are strong enough to where he could just be able to hit a slant and win. And to your point, their depth is a problem. And I know a lot of teams don't have elite depth. There's very few that are able to reach four receivers, five receivers in and find someone that can produce. But 
to that point, their backups at wide receiver, Stanley Morgan and Mike Thomas are two of the guys they brought back. They're their guys. They haven't really had a chance to start, so we can't say for sure. On paper, they're weak, but maybe they've been working in the system, learning from guys like Chase and Higgins and Boyd, and that they would fill in fine. We don't know, and for their sake, we hope we don't have to know. At tight end, Hayden Hurst has been, I would say, an average do, uh, he does a little bit of everything. He's been an average tight end. Maybe not worth the first round grade, but I will say his impact in football has been far beyond the field. He's been a big advocate for mental health. And I just wonder if his experience leading that charge along with guys like Max Crosby will help him fill the leadership role that Uzoma left behind. It's certainly possible in my book. I don't know what kind of presence he has in the locker room, but certainly in football, he does have a presence. And then I think Drew Sample one of the better run blocking tight ends in the league did have, I think a season with 30 catches, not last year, but the year before. So he can chip in here and there, but let's be honest their Their money is in the receiver room. The tight end is not really a focal point of the offense. Again, as Jack noted, the offensive line is much improved, but the depth is not great. They did spend all this money on the new offensive line pieces. So you wonder how much they have left over to address backups, but you'd think that they'd want to get someone in there, maybe a guy, a couple guys that play multiple different positions, just so you have your flexibility. I mean, obviously trades are hard to predict now, but maybe sending something for Andre Dillard. He's not good, but he does have experience at multiple different positions on the line. And there's a lot of guys. I mean, in the draft, it's hard to think that they could have taken a different offensive lineman I think with all the money they spent taking one in the first three rounds kind of would have been redundant and maybe almost a waste of a pick because they did, like you said, take Volson, which was a very good pick. But as far as the offense goes, they're running it back with a better offensive line. It reminds me, and we've talked about this before, as when the Chiefs lost and Mahomes got hit constantly, they went and they drafted Creed Humphrey. And I know there's more than escaping Joe me. Tooney, Orlando Brown. Yeah. And they, they fixed the line and the Chiefs were right back in it. And I don't see any reason to think that the Bengals can't be that similar. Will they go to the Super Bowl? We'll have to find out. I don't think, I think there's probably other teams that can take them on, but there's no reason to suggest that their hot streak that led to their Super Bowl run is fake. And they've done everything they should on the offensive side to share it up on the defensive side. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Their key losses start up front with Leo Ogajobi and Wyatt Ray. They lost backup Jordan Evans at the linebacker spot. Injury running on the field man, Vernon Hargraves, Darius Phillips, Trey Waynes in the back end. They retained primarily backups, BJ Hill, Eli Apple, Trey Flowers being, you know, the notable names there that they brought back. They did not sign anyone in free agency on the defensive side, which was kind of surprising to us. However, 95% of their draft class was defense. And for us, we talk about it in the article that we're going to push with this, is that this defense really, really stepped up down the stretch. And, you know, if they played half the way they did in the playoffs, they probably wouldn't have been in the wild card and been considered the Cinderella story. But they stepped up when it mattered. And looking at what happened, the secondary was obviously the biggest issue. And right now, it's a giant question mark. And it starts with franchise tagging Jesse Bates, who does not want to play on the tag. And it sounds like there's no contract extension talks going on with him and that he could actually be dealt. And in the first round, they took one of my favorite prospects this year, Daxton Hill. And ESPN has him listed as one of the corner starters, I believe. But there's a real possibility that Hill ends up taking the safety spot if Bates gets dealt within the next couple of months. And then you know, you're kind of relying on the same corner group that you did last year. And Awuzie played really, really well. That's, this has nothing to do with him. This has to do everything with Eli Apple. 
And, you know, Trey Flowers came over from Seattle because he sucked there. But I really liked how the Bengals used him in tight end matchups and going up against bigger guys. But they took another guy, Cam Taylor Britt, who I think played primarily corner, but he did jump back and forth between corner and safety. So my guess is that he's probably going to need half a year to a year to just readjust to playing full-time corner. And you hope that it works out because Wujie can't do it himself and they need a lot of help in the back end. But then in the fifth round, they took another safety in Tyson Anderson out of Tulsa, who Zach read up is another box safety. So, I mean, I guess Hill, Bell, or Anderson could theoretically play the deep third, but not in the way that Jesse Bates has. And right now, you just don't know what the secondary is going to look like heading into the year. And it's probably not going to be known until the Jesse Bates situation is resolved. And if I'm Cincinnati, I would call his agent right now and resign him because he's got to be one of the most underrated safeties in the game right now. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at the corners, you wonder why they weren't able to go get someone like Stefan Gilmore, who was around for so long. And before we go deep, there are still guys out there in free agency. Joe Hayden is still a free agent. I think, and I think you would agree that he would make this corner room a lot better, along with bringing some veteran presence. I know they're not short on that, but still, it's a guy that probably shouldn't command too much money, so you don't have to worry about breaking the bank, but a guy that immediately kicks Apple to the bench, and there's no way you can run it back and start Eli Apple. One thing that Jack brought up when we were talking before this is there's a chance that Cincinnati runs a heavy zone blitz scheme where you just have really good playmakers in the secondary. You know, a guy like Dax Hill, Cam Taylor Britt, guys that maybe shouldn't be playing corner full time, also should be playing safety that you don't have a spot for. And you just put them on the field, stick them in a zone and say, we just need you to cover this. And hopefully that ends up working. It would be an interesting tactic. But if you were ever asked to play man, that would probably fall apart. I mean, look at what happened to Eli Apple. We know Cooper Cup is becoming one of the best receivers in the league, but everybody knew where that final play was going. Everybody knew who it was going to, and Eli Apple still, he he held them or pass interference them first, if I remember right, and then they threw it right back at him again, and he gave the touchdown up. Like, you know, you just can't, you can't stick him out there. He's probably a fine fourth corner who talks like a number one, but there are still moves to be made. Just as a lot of teams this is going to be the case. The depth pieces can still be found. There's a lot of guys that haven't been signed yet. That would be nice fill-ins if you need them. And they may even sign them when the injuries or if the injuries occur. But at corner, that's the weakness for this team. They've addressed a lot of other stuff. They need to find someone else unless they expect Daxton Hill to play an outside corner or can Taylor Britt to start right away at outside corner from the get-go. And I think that's very risky. I think it's a manageable situation. I think that they could hold up. I just think like Hill to me, if I had classified them this way, would have been my top nickel player. The problem is that you had one of the best slots in Mike Hilton. So someone's got a shift and you're probably going to keep the established guy where he is. Do you think they run a heavy dime scheme where they have two nickels on the field? It's entirely possible. I guess it depends on who you're playing. A team like Buffalo, a team like Kansas City, it's entirely possible. But at that rate, you're talking about either taking one of your linemen off or one of your linebackers off. And I mean, if you keep Logan Wilson out there, it's probably okay because he's the better of the coverage guys. But 
like we said, if Bates goes and one guy in the secondary goes down, it could be mayhem like last year. And it's not the front I worry about because they drafted Zach Carter and Jeffrey Gunter as backup pieces on the line. And their linebacker room is four or five deep right now, even with the loss of Jordan Evans. If the secondary can figure it out, there's no reason that this team can't push a low loss season. And we had their record predicted of 15 and two. I don't think it's crazy to say 17 and 0 if the secondary figures it out and they somehow manage to go a whole season without injuries. Because if you look, like Zach mentioned at the beginning of this, they were one second away from that game ending in a completely different way. There would have been orange and black confetti coming out instead of blue and yellow. And I think that this team already had a swagger to them. And next year, knowing that they had that Super Bowl, that it was theirs, that they are going to do everything in their power to get back there and get what's rightfully theirs. Not to mention that would have been one of the crazier Super Bowl wins in a while, just from, you know, going from the wild card round, barely making it into the playoffs to dominating, not not necessarily dominating, but just the teams that they beat to get there. I mean, that would have been insane. And you're right now, they have probably a chip on their shoulder of we should have won. And instead of being the underdogs now, they are one of the tops. Like we said, we have their record at 15 and two. It could be worse. There's a lot of matchups this year with high powered teams. Any AFC West team can beat any other team in the NFL. And you're going to see this with a few other teams of ours. The depth could have this team fall apart. They could just go disastrous and limp into the playoffs if they suffer key injuries because they just don't have the depth. But we are not predicting injuries. The only thing we predicted in any way like that are the suspensions that we know of or that we assume are coming, like we mentioned in the Browns video with Deshaun Watson. As it stands right now, on paper, their starters are really good. Their offense should be one of the best in football with a really nice running game, passing game balance. And their defense is a question mark because we don't know what they're going to do with it. But we assume there is a plan and it'll at least be average. And then average defense paired with that offense should be a very good team. Are they the best team in the AFC talent-wise? I don't think so. I think there's, you know, the Bills are probably better and... I don't know, maybe that is it. Maybe it's just the Bills on paper. And we have the two losses. It could easily be, you know, 13 and four. Another thing we're going to talk about with another game on the season, players may rest, but we can't predict that. They may give a random player a week off halfway through. That could lead to a loss where they just say, you know, it's more worth it to have so-and-so healthy versus just throwing everyone out there. But as of right now, we have them 15 and two. And even if it's not the same record, we still have them winning the AFC North. This record prediction is also based on the fact that we think this team is going to pick up right where they left off. And that includes the defense. Like I said, when I was talking about Hill and Taylor Britt is those guys could take half a year to a year or some point in the second half of the year until they are comfortable doing something that maybe they haven't done a lot of in their career, wherever they end up playing. The front seven of Cincinnati with Pratt, Wilson, Hubbard, you know the names. Watch the playoffs. They made Mahomes look stupid in the second half. If they can keep that up while the secondary tries to tie it together in the beginning of the season, maybe they pull it out. But we just think that there is a question mark still in the secondary just as to who's playing where, what they're doing. Hopefully Eli Apple's not on the field. But like Zach said about the Super Bowl is if Eli Apple's on the field in key situations, you know where it's going. And if they play a team like Buffalo or the Chargers, you know where it's going. And at 15 and two, it could go up, it could go down. And we think that it's most likely going to be against the AFC West teams or any of these powerhouses that are in the bloodbath that is the AFC.
Yeah, it's worth noting as we're wrapping up here that they do have the third hardest strength of schedule ranking. So a 15 and two record, we know we're going to get comments on this, especially on TikTok. For me, at least, it's Burrow has this ability that not many have to pull it together when it matters. And on top of that, Jamar Chase made Ramsey look like Eli Apple. Does that mean that Chase is going to become one of the most, if not the most unguardable player in the league? It certainly is possible because Ramsey is historically, or at least recently, one of the best corners in the NFL. And then if you take out Chase, there's still Higgins, there's still Boyd, and there's still Mixon. And if Hayden Hurst takes a little bit of a step forward. So it's just not many defenses are going to be able to match up well when it comes down to it with the Bengals offense. And the only one in their own division that we think can, Joe Burrow just has a knack of destroying them in the Ravens. So it's going to seem like a lot, but when you go through the schedule, most of, if not all the games, the Bengals can realistically win. So it's just a matter of something as simple as one field goal could change a lot of it. And I know I'm rambling, but we have to just go with who we think has the better chance on all of these. And the Bengals are going to come in as favorites most of the weeks, even against some of the powerhouses in the AFC. And to Zach's point, we talked about it, the chip on their shoulder for this team again, as they knew that the Super Bowl could have been theirs. But even if you look at Burrow alone, and Zach mentioned it, I do not like Joe Burrow, but he transferred out of Ohio State and went to LSU because he thought he could be the guy. And in the first year, they were pretty average. And he went out and played with a chip on his shoulder and won a national championship pretty convincingly against that you had to go through Alabama, you had to go through Georgia, you had to go through Clemson. These are the superior teams in college football where a lot of these guys that get drafted come from, and he manhandled all of them. Yeah, and to that point, as I mentioned earlier, the teams he beat in the playoffs, it wasn't like they had some easy trip to the AFC championship game and just happened to pull out a win. They beat good teams, and they took out the Chiefs. Like, that matters. So I think you just got to look at this team I don't think they take a step back like most people expect because they made the right moves. They addressed the offensive line, which was their biggest problem, that they beat all these teams in the playoffs despite the offensive line, despite people saying over and over, oh, they're not going to be able to overcome it. And they did. And now they have a much better line. So we stand by our 15-2 and record, and we'll see when the NFL season starts. Our next coming up will be the NFC North, correct? Yes. And then after that, we will go to the AFC East and so on and so forth. And we look to see you back for all of our different teams and division coverage.